Welcome to the Happy Holy Podcast. I'm Anna Marie Frank, a doctor of traditional naturopathy and certified brain health professional. Now, those of you that know Happy Holy You, you know that we are all about health and well-being, and we combine all the physical aspects, nutritional aspects, as well as the energetic and emotional aspects to well-being. So on this podcast, you guys, you are going to get a variety of information with different topics that can range from brain health all the way to how your energy field impacts your overall health and well-being. Now, let me remind you that we are not giving medical advice on this podcast, and these are just our personal experiences and information that we are sharing. If you do have any physical or any mental challenges going on in your life, we highly recommend that you seek a medical professional that you have a strong relationship with. All right, you guys, we are going to get started. So here we go. Hey, you guys, welcome to another episode of the Happy Holy Podcast. Today, I have functional medicine practitioner, Paul Burgess, with me, and he is a trailblazing entrepreneur, and he has two companies, Paul Burgess Functional Medicine, which is a global telehealth practice, and also Paul Burgess Wellness. He is the creator of the 3x5 Diet, which is a fat loss made easy plan for you to burn that extra fat. All right, Paul, thank you for joining me today. My pleasure. It's lovely to speak to you. <laughs> All right. So if you can share, I gave everybody a little bit of an intro about you, but if you could share a little bit about yourself and how you got to the position that you're in right now and how you support people, we'd love to hear that. So I started a functional medicine practice probably a couple of decades ago now, and it's just a big passion of mine health from quite a young age. And I've been in other industries, but nothing really gave me the reward personally. I've got plenty of financial reward in other industries. But there was still something lacking for me. I still wanted to do something more in the health space. And I did. And so we've created what is really successful global functional medicine practice. We have patients in pretty much every continent, apart from the very cold ones, north and south. And we treat people who haven't found solutions to their issues historically. So they've been to the doctors, been to the specialist, the consultant, you know, all your bloods are fine. The scans are negative. It's all in your head. You know, there's nothing wrong with you kind of people. And then we actually find out what's really going on bit like yourself i should think and so yeah it's a fantastic way to i want to say earn a living but it's a fantastic way to live a life yeah i totally resonate with that i get that you know i think when we go into our life and you know we got to have the meet a financial goal right because we falsely we think oh this is going to make us secure and happy and then we get there and we're like wait a minute what is my greater purpose how am i showing up in the world how do i help others and that's exactly what you did. You decided, hey, I, you know, I, I really want to help people. And you're doing it in a unique way and in a way that I really appreciate because you don't treat everybody exactly the same. And you look for underlying cause. Yeah, you, well, there is no exactly the same. Right? Even, right. even identical twins are not the same. Yeah. Right? So every single person is individual. And I know that you do this in your practice, which is why I'm so happy to be on your particular show because we're very close in, in our thinking, right? And... When people are treated, I don't want to bash doctors, okay, because they've got a very good role in society, especially if you're having an acute issue, you know, you've got like some sort of accident or right. some burst appendix, something like that, they're going to save you a lot. But when it comes to long-term chronic health, they're not the place to go. Mm -hmm. And it's not because they don't want to be good at that. It's not because they have any kind of 
non-understanding. It's just because it's not their speciality. If long-term medical health was being addressed by the traditional uh, doctors, your you know your physician, that kind of thing, we would not have the highest rates of cancer, diabetes, cardiovascular disease, dementia, the highest rates we've ever had in the history of the world. This stuff just doesn't work for chronic long-term things, right? So when you treat someone, it's about treating the individual root causes, and I'll say that plural because it's always more than one thing, and not treating the symptom, right? And, and even with the cancer patients we have, right? Treating cancer, cancer is a symptom of an underlying dysfunction, many dysfunctions caused by probably multiple things over a long period of time. And so it's about finding out what that individual needs, treating that, and then creating a much better environment for them to thrive in. And that's not just medical, by the way, right? And I know you agree with this as well. A lot about beliefs, mm-hmm. where your beliefs come from around your motivation to act yeah. in some ways, right? So you've got to put all that together. And it's a big piece of work and it yeah. takes time. So, yeah. but if it's done properly, it's miraculous. Absolutely. And I love that you said that, you know, like a cancer patient, they didn't get cancer overnight, you know? And then the things that I find with clients that come to me that are challenged, you know, with these diseases, and especially like cancer, is they're feeling like they have to make a decision right now. Like, what do I have to do right now? Do I have to, do I do the chemo? Do I do the radiation? Do I do, you know, these two things that I'm being offered? And it's like, wait a minute, take a step back. Let's breathe. This wasn't created overnight and this isn't going to be solved overnight. And everybody is very different. And I read on with the belief system. Our brain, I always say that my listeners know, our brain is the strongest pharmacy on planet Earth. You can change your biochemistry in 150 milliseconds by shifting a thought, which is Definitely. completely, completely incredible. So, but, but how, sorry, Anna, how underutilized is that? Oh, right. I mean, there's definite research from way back where there were people who were schizophrenic and in one personality they had a normal metabolism and in their alternative yeah. one, they were diabetic. And and then and then biochemistry changed to that of a diabetic because that that was their belief in that alternative uh, personality. That's how powerful that is, right? Yeah. And so, if you're like you say, someone gives you a bad piece of news, a diagnosis in this instance, and you, without any question, one hundred percent take it in and believe it, mm-hmm. and then panic around it, mm-hmm. and believe it's a death sentence, and believe it's the end of time, believe it's going to, you know, I've only got a week, two weeks, months to live. You will you will attract that into your life, sadly. For sure. And so it's such an underutilized part of our health program, if you like. And and it's the last thing people think about. Let's give you the the pills and the potions, just treat the symptoms. What caused you to get them in the first place? Nah. Don't worry about yeah. that. We'll just do this. <laughs> it's so true. And then there's, you know, the clients that you were talking about, the patients you were talking about, that they go to the doctor, they know something is off within them, something is not right. And all their labs say, you're fine. You're totally fine. This is in your head. This is, you know, nothing's wrong. Can't help you here. And yeah. in those situations, what are you finding with clients? Is there anything that persists consistently across the board with those patients? Do you know what? There's so much. But <laughs> what I will say is, firstly, they'll do a blood test, right, with their position. Mm-hmm. It's normally a very short panel, quite a small blood test, mainly because it's paid for by insurance in the US. And also right. they're not going to pay for the significant markers because they're very expensive. They're, oh, no, we'll just do TSH for thyroid. That's all you need, right? Or T4, maybe if you're lucky. Yeah. They don't really tell you anything. Cholesterol, no, they're not going to do LDL particle size, right? They're going to do HDL, LDL, 
maybe triglycerides and total cholesterol. Tells you nothing. But what we do, because the ranges are so wide, right? In general practice, they don't. Everyone falls into those ranges, which is why they go, "Yeah, everything's normal. There's nothing wrong." You go, "Hang on a minute." Firstly, the ranges are way too wide when it comes to your blood markers. If we use a much narrower optimal range, we know full well, and there's plenty of research backing it up, that when you drift above or below that optimal range, we can see something that's about to happen or has started happening, and the doctors just, "There's nothing wrong. You're, you're absolutely fine." So we've predicted cancer in patients many times, way before the doctors ever got to it. And we've sent them to a doctor and said, look, you need to just housekeeping and have this prostate examination just to see what's going on. Patient will go to the doctor and say, look, I spoke to this guy. He said, maybe I should get an examination. He said, no, no, no. I've looked at your blood. You're absolutely fine. You don't need the exam. He said, well, look, I'm here now. and I'd like to get it done. Does the exam. And then he says, mm, actually, yeah, it doesn't feel right. Let's get a scan done. Then they find stage two cancer. And you say, well... That wouldn't have got picked up until it was stage four. And then the conversation isn't how do we treat it. The conversation is get your affairs in order. Yeah. And so knowing how to read tests, knowing the right tests to do, not just bloods, and then prevention, right? Preventing the cancers or, or taking out things that we know cause cancer, mold, toxicity, heavy metals, pathogens, you know, the things that we know are carcinogenic, mm-hmm. way in advance. I don't care if you're in your 20s or your 30s, that stuff needs to yep. go. Right? Yeah. Then you've got half a chance of not being the one in two that's predicted to get cancer in their lifetime at the moment. One in two. I mean, this is insane. 15 years ago, it was one in three. How's that cancer research going for you? It, yeah, like billions of dollars, uh, you know, in the US still spent on cancer research for sure. I mean, oh, it, it's, it's, it's incredible. Uh, what, would ever, what would ever happen if they found a cure? Well, we know there's cures. We know, right. like you and I both know that there are cures and there is a biological innate response in all of our biology to heal ourselves. It's the environment that we put our body in and going to practitioners like yourself that can say, hey, I know you're being told everything's fine, but actually let's focus on these things. And it's always like going back, I call it the foundations, right? I call it, we all have these little potholes in our foundations. Nobody wants to drive down a road with a bunch of potholes. I mean, you could drive down the road, but it doesn't feel great. It's kind of annoying, right? But you you can go miles, you know? But And we do that with our health, but it's like, what is possible if we smoothed over those potholes and we no longer had to deal with that? But it's normalized in the US to be sick. It is normalized to be overweight it is normalized to take a handful of pharmaceutical drugs it, i mean it's completely normal here and i'm sure yeah, yeah it's normal where you're at as well well listen a couple of things i love that analogy about the car and the potholes i think what you need to think about in that is by the end of the journey that car is pretty broken mm, right? yeah same as same as your as your body right if your body's hitting potholes every day it's going to be pretty broken by the end of that journey, however long that is. But if it's smoothed out, that car's going to be running perfectly at the end, same as it was at the beginning, right? Yeah. And there's too much money in drugs that do not cure anything. Because if I can give you a drug for life, that means I've got a customer that's going to, I'm going to get paid on every every month. And so blood pressure, cholesterol, statins, um, diabetes, metformin, or, I mean, and there's hundreds of others, right? But none of them cure anything. 
they just persist with the disease. There was a fantastic piece written in the New York Times recently, no, Washington Times, maybe, anyway, somewhere, regarding um, how social media influencers were being paid by uh, big food companies to promote the fact it's okay to eat junk. Now, you've got registered dietitians being paid to speak to their half a million or million followers and say, look, I'm eating hot dogs, I'm eating ice cream, it's fine. Anyone tells you it's not, it's nonsense, it's fine, so long as you have it in moderation, this, that, and the other. And, you, and then the problem with that is the person listening is, is just looking for the reason to eat the ice cream. Mm-hmm. Moderation doesn't come into it. Right, you got me at ice cream. The rest right. of that sentence was irrelevant. And what so that I, does to the brain, <laughs> I've exactly seen the imaging scan, it triggers the brain. It's a drug. It's literally a drug. Of course it is. It, it yeah. attaches to the same receptors in the brain as class A drugs, right? Mm-hmm. So it's very addictive, and we know it is, and that's fine. Well, you, know, you know that if you're going to eat sugar, you're going to end up eating an awful lot of it, overeating and feeling really crap at the end of it and, and all the rest of it. But when it's normalized, like you said, why wouldn't you? Everyone does it. Everyone's 200 pounds. Yeah. Right? Everyone has is on four medications or five medications. You know, diabetes runs in my family. No, no, there's no one in your family, right? And that's what the problem is, right? And yeah. it's like, well, my parents always did that. That's why we did it. We've got the same issues that they've got. It's hereditary. No, it's not hereditary. I think what only two percent of disease is truly genetic, and ninety-eight percent of disease is just the environment you put it in. I mean, I think some people would argue a hundred percent, you know, but it. It's very, yeah, I, I had to tell, there was a gal here the other day and when we're looking at her blood sugar and she's like, well, my parents have type two diabetes and my grandparents, I'm like, type two diabetes is not a genetic thing. This is completely environment. I think it's, it's learned beliefs, right? And it's habitual. It's like totally. their grandparents ate that way, right? Mm-hmm. They ate those foods. For whatever reason, right? Whether it was because it yeah. was traditional in that part of the country, uh, and maybe they did less manual work, they sat around a lot. Everyone drinks, everyone smokes, everyone is eating junk food. Whatever it is, that's just what it was like. That's what you did. And then my parents picked up those habits, and now I'm doing the same thing. We've all got diabetes because it's hereditary, but actually, it's those learned beliefs around why it's okay to do that. Now, where have those beliefs come from? Well, they've come from the amazing marketing of companies that can influence your decision and then influence it so dramatically that it's an ingrained belief you do not question. Yeah. And that's where the problems are coming from. Mm-hmm. And so trying to understand where you're being influenced is a whole other podcast that we could speak about, yeah. but it's a real component towards your health, right? You know, for me, the biggest message I'm trying to get to people is, what I find or I have found over the decades is that people want certainty that the decisions they're making about their health are the right ones for them, which means what's the right diet for me? Do I need to take supplements? If I need supplements, which supplements? How do I get my sleep right? Why is my memory so bad now? Why have I got no energy anymore? Why is my sex drive in the toilet and not, you know, what's going on? I'm only 42 years old, blah, blah, and, and all this sort of thing. And then where do they go? People we're, we're, we're naturally problem solvers, right? That's where our default is solve the problem. Yeah. And we solve problems by looking at how we did it historically. When I had a problem like this before, what did I do? Or oh, went on Google or I looked at YouTube. Mm-hmm. 
or Instagram or whichever other favoured social media you have. So you go there and you find this really compelling argument to say, you must be on a carnivore diet. Because if you're not, no, better still, this person went on a carnivore diet and all their autoimmune disease went away. And we cured their autoimmune and they lost 80 pounds and everyone should do the same because if you eat a vegetable, you you, you will die from the toxins in them. Yeah. Oh, okay. That must work for me. Yeah. But what you don't understand is that if you're an APOE4 genotype, which 25% of the world are, following that sort of diet will probably kill you quite quickly. But they didn't talk about that. Well, they just say that, look, this is the thing that works really well. Then you get the opposing view of, you have to be vegan. If you eat meat, you will get cancer, right? Or you have to be keto or you've got to be paleo. Or, and, and every one of them has this compelling argument to say, this is the only way. This will cure everything. Carnivore doesn't cure anything. It just takes away the irritants. Mm -hmm. That person goes back to eating vegetables or grains. All of their autoimmune will come back again. Never went anywhere because it wasn't treated. Again, it was treating the symptom. Mm -hmm. So when people are looking for certainty, they're not going to find it online. There's too much conflicting views. It's too confusing. The only way is to speak to someone like you or maybe me and get a professional that says, let's have a look at everything properly. Right? Mm -hmm. Let's dissect everything about you. Let's do your bloods. Let's do your toxicity. Let's look at your mold. Let's look at your environmental and chemical toxins, your heavy metals. Let's look at your bacterial and viral pathogens. Let's look at everything about your life. Let's look at your DNA. And then we can work out this is exactly what you should be doing for your health with the current issues that you have. And then we can build that over the next year, two years, whatever it is, to create this 100% healthy, fantastic, thriving organism that's doing everything exactly for them. You cannot find that on YouTube because it doesn't know you, right? right. Doesn't know, doesn't know your age, your sex, your background, your hydration, your sleep, your stress, your yeah. liver function, your hormones. There's nothing about you. Mm -hmm. But it's such a compelling thing to go. That's going to be the quick fix. I'm going to do that, and people get in that cycle, and they end up doing. Is it? It's like the average is average people average diet per year. People do is four four diets a year. That's one every three months, right? Well, that's never going to work because you're not giving it any time at all. Yeah. It's almost like luck. So give, giving certainty to people, I think, is the main thing people are striving for, and that has to be done properly. Yeah, and I think, yeah, and you're right. Like the whole going online, you know, there's a lot of knowledge out there, that's for sure. But, you know, how your biology functions is different than my biology, and everybody has this individuality about them and how their body functions. So it's so important to work with a practitioner that looks at the meta view of everything and then can go in, swoop in and then go to, you know, more underlying things and say, okay, well, let's, you know, work with this. But I do think too, you know, there's that instant gratification and then there's all this stuff online that is false. And to your point, you know, these influencers that are getting paid by these big food companies, I mean, what's no different than these doctors that get kickbacks from pharmaceutical companies. I mean, you just have to follow the money. Yeah. And it's unfortunate, but that's just how it goes. <laughs> you know, there is. And, and it's difficult, sorry uh, to put in there, but it's difficult to challenge that belief in society because we're brought up to trust doctors as the authority on health. 
Yeah. Right? When you when you're sick as a child, your parent takes you to the doctor. The doctor gives you a a, a pink liquid to take, and then in a week's time, your sore throat's gone and everything's fine. And you're brought up to think they are the resource that you need to speak to. The reality is they are not going to treat you long-term and keep you healthy. It, it can't happen the way the system is set up. They can only continue to keep you sick and manage your symptoms. There isn't another way around it. I have a company that trains practitioners to do what we do. And I would suggest at the moment, about 40% of the attendees are currently doctors who want to get out because they know it doesn't work and do something else that they know is going to be more useful. Yeah. Which tells you a lot about how that system is working. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it's like, so in America, MDs, how they're trained today, literally, it's only been about a hundred years. And in our medical system in the United States, there was this thing called the Flexner Report. The Flexner Report was when the Rockefellers and the Carnegie families funded to go around to these, they were called colleges back then, they're called universities now, and say, hey, here's a million dollars. Well, think about it. If it's 1915, 1920, and you're offered a million dollars to look at this synthetic drug or to take vitamin C and extract and kind of see something that you could patent, how many of these universities were like, yeah, we'd love to have that money for research? And they did. And once all, so many universities took that money, they had this guy go around to all these medical schools and say, hey, Flexner, we need to mainstream this. Let's keep everything the same. So that's when they started taking out the Native American practices, the herbals, all of oh, that. Yeah. And so, you know, we're sitting here in a generation that, you know, you're like, yeah, well, we've been taught to trust doctors. But actually, before about 1920-ish, around that time, doctors weren't trusted, actually, there was a big push. The word quackery actually came from when these MDs were starting to be trained. They were giving people when they were sick these little elixirs that were made of heavy metals and people would quack like ducks. So then I was like, wait, don't go to one of those doctors because they're quacks. They'll make you quack. And then there was a big push, you know, to put that quackery, quote unquote, onto holistic. And there was a big push by the American Medical Association. And I mean, there's a whole history there. And we did a podcast on it. And so it's just, we need to start questioning, but that doesn't discount, like you said, the fact that Western medicine has come a long way for trauma, you know, for these acute injuries. I mean, heck yeah, they get the gold star on that. But it'll save your life from it. Yeah, it's not a one size fits all. And I think that's. And also, yeah, I totally agree with that point. I think it's really insightful, especially when you talk about things like the Native Americans that thousands of years have been practicing. Yeah. Yeah, local medicine, natural medicine, and and you know some things are really really beneficial. But what you're finding now is that modern medicine, the license that a doctor has is to practice evidence based medicine, and so we've got the research and the evidence to show that this is going to be good for you, and therefore this is what you can take. And the research is funded in universities, right? It's done in universities, and it's all unbiased. But when you, like you say, you follow the money back, it's generally big pharma. Not unbiased funding. No, it's the big pharma that are funding it, right? Yeah. And so someone goes into the doctor and they've got high blood glucose, high HbA1c, C peptide, high fasted insulin, and they're pretty much, you know, pre or, or, or teaching on diabetic. The doctor's going to turn around and say, okay, you need to take metformin. This is the standard thing. You have to take it, you know, and, and that's, that's the cure for you. Yeah. In the, the, the commas. 
Well, if you go in and say, well, I've heard about berberine. Apparently, that's got some good blood glucose management. And also, chromium tends to work really well. I'm wondering if I should try that. No, 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 no. It's nonsense. Can't even discuss that with you. Because if I discuss it, I lose my license. It's yeah. not under what we do. So forget that. Yeah, but they say it's got no side effects. And actually, it's got more things that are better for you. No, no, no. no. I can't talk to you about that. So it's a very, very difficult conversation to have when you're looking at, you know, don't treat me with my symptom. Treat me on, on what's causing me to be diabetic. There are some fantastic transformations you see on Instagram, right? These very big, heavy people, male and female, like they're going to be like 400 pounds, some of them. And they show you this in, in very quick succession over maybe five years. Then they get down to 120 pounds and look amazing. And they're this fitness model. And they go, look, you know, how amazing it is. Great. And actually, I don't really care how they did it, whether it was from surgery, because a lot of them say, oh, it's, it's gastric bypass surgery or whatever it is. I don't care. Everyone's applauding the transformation because they've got their life back and they've got their health. Good. Not interested. I'm interested. Why did you get that big in the first place? Mm -hmm. What was it that drove the initial problem? Because that's what's useful to people watching. Yeah. Because they're the ones that are in the problem, right? So... Let's find out what you did about that. Not just, oh, I started doing exercise and eating less. Okay. Right. That's not news. But yeah. what drove you? What was that belief about eating and behaviors and exercise? What were you? What was that issue about? And so looking at, like we said earlier, the beliefs and what drives your actions and then what your current state is, is there any way really you can start building something specific for you? That's like so great. <laughs> I mean. Yeah. How'd you get there to begin with? Yeah. yeah no, there's so much value there. I mean, that's where the value is, right? Because, because that's what caused the problem, right? Yeah. Because we all know that, yeah, you can change your diet, you can move your body more, you can sleep better, and you're going to have better results. But what was going on before that? That's so good. Yeah. You never see anyone talk about that. <laughs> I don't know. For me personally, health is about the whole picture. It's not just about the bloods or the toxins or the diets or the whatever it is. It's about what else goes on in that person to yeah. create that? And, you know, knowing what your real motivator is in life, it is paramount because having a goal of, I want to lose weight, is going to do nothing for you when there's ice cream in front of you. Right. It's not, oh, you know, I'll just have a couple of scoops of that. That won't make a difference. You know, one of my favorite things, favorite sayings is, is your life going to be an example to others or a warning? Right. And especially to your children. Right. So what is the legacy you're trying to leave? Because most people have a very low self-esteem, me included. Like we all do. I grew up in the 60s in London no. and it was a very strict environment. You know, children did as they were told and there was very little emotional support and love given. And so we all grew up really trying to prove ourselves, prove our value to people by going over and, you know, I'll do anything for you just to make you love me or whatever it is. Right. And we are always trying to feel this need of love and acceptance and so what is it that that does to you with your actions generally you put yourself last because i'm not worth anything i've got no value i have to put everyone else first right let me work as many hours a day as i can handle seven days a week you know let me do the things i need to do for everyone else and meanwhile my health my life is crumbling around me but i'll keep pushing on i'll keep pushing on i'll take the next medication I'll, I'll do the next stimulant you know the the monster drinks or whatever they are i'll just get myself through the day i'm so tired all the time and i've got time to think about things or remember things or sex drive is 
non-existent, but it doesn't matter. I just need to keep going. And then what you're doing is you're turning up broken and useless and, and trying to give your kids the best life you can give them. But it's never going to happen, right? So instead of that, if you go and say, right, I'm going to put myself first. Everything I do is going to be about me. I'm going to, I will make sure that I do what I need to do first for myself, whether that's I need to prepare my meals or I need to do my exercise or I need to find the right practitioner to work with or I need to have the time on my own to relax, breathe, focus, come to Anna's uh, practice and do some red light therapy or do some cryo or whatever. They're the things I need to do. And everything else is kind of going to come second. And that's not a selfish thing. That's a charitable thing because what you're doing is you're making sure when you turn up for your spouse, your family, your parents, your kids, your colleagues, that you're the very best version of yourself, which means you can be more helpful, more creative, more passionate, more useful, and a better example because you put yourself first. But most people go, no, no, no I can't put myself first. That'd be really selfish. Like, Meh, try it. See, what, see which one works better. Yeah. I don't know how I went into that rant, but. I love it. No, I love it. And I feel like we live in a, you know, a society. I feel like in America, it's just we're creating so many narcissists and this idea that it's all about me and something's wrong with me and everything's focused on me. And I, I feel like the more we focus on like there's there's like this balance, we should be good taking care of the vessel that we have. And if we are good with who we are and the vessel that we have, we're better able to show up and do things for the greater good of humanity. But when people stay sick, when people stay stuck in their head and they're just ill, they're not able to do anything. So the people that are going to sit here and ask questions like you and I and say, well, this whole doctor thing, what's really going on here? This doesn't seem right. You know, like, we need to ask questions like the antacid and the antibiotic, you know, podcast we, we had done. Ask questions, right? The fact that in America you can no longer question your doctor. And that's insane to me. That is, I mean, that is absolutely crazy. It opens up a whole can of worms. But I mean, firstly, rat acid reflux is very often a sign of low stomach acid. Not high stomach acid, right? So you end up taking an antacid, which pushes it down even more, causing all the problems that you mentioned in your podcast, right? But you also get this this really biased narrative now around vaccinations and, you know, things that we've experienced recently that are all being done for another reason, one would think. And and questioning it makes you an outcast. Oh, no, you're not, you're not looking after everyone else around you because you're not going to do that. And you're not part of everybody, you know, all that kind of, all that kind of nonsense. But I want to come back to a point you said, because it's so valid. You said, like, people, they look after this vessel, then they can turn up a better person, right? But here's the, the next thought I have on that is, if you're looking after this vessel, you feel incredible. When you turn up to then try and help others, what are you going to get across to them? You're going to get across how to look after your vessel. And then they're going to want to look after themselves. Because that's what you do, right? He's like, I look after my life. I look after my health. I look after my stress. I don't get involved with the rat race. I do all these things that just bring me this joy and love of life. And as soon as you walk up to someone else, you're not going to start talking to them about, oh, did you have a bad day? Yeah, me too. Very tired. Yeah. You're not. You're going to say, listen, I had this amazing meal. I did these great things. Have you ever tried doing this meditation or just breathing? And they're going, to go, what were you talking about? And your infectious passion and happiness and joy, it's just like, I want that. What do I need to do? Right? So you're going to turn up saying, what it takes to be like that, and they will bite into it. If you turn up broken, mm -hmm. 
you're going to be standing having a conversation with which is yeah i feel like that as well i feel terrible when i should we just go and have a drink mm-hmm. come on the bar's open and let's sit there and moan at each other about how terrible life is yeah. and then 30 years later you turn around and go well that was rubbish yeah <laughs> right i know i've been there i was there that's why i do what i do now because yeah i mean we attract what we are our lives are perfectly curated how we wanted to curate them. And if there's something you don't like, you get to change it. That's the yeah. beauty of of being human. You have the power of choice. <laughs> yeah, you know, nobody's a victim here. <laughs> exactly. And and going back to actually a, a previous episode that you recorded with your partner, one of one of the other ladies, where you were talking about, you know, this is not permanent. This situation I'm in. Yeah. It's all it's just what it is. Right. And and you made a a point on it saying, or oh, you know, if I'm late for a recording or something, it's disrespectful. And so she says, well, actually, it's just what it is. It's no, nothing's going to change massively on the back of it. But we we attach so much emotion and meaning to something that it ruins us because we dwell on it. And actually, everybody else couldn't give a monkey's. <laughs> it's like, okay, whatever. <laughs> but if you've got the ability to be resilient and flexible and just say, this is what it is. You know, we were supposed to start at this time. We started a bit later. Big deal. Okay. And I've got an appointment afterwards. That's probably going to go later as well now. Okay. Yeah. What, yeah. you know, why is that? Why is that the problem? Right. There are bigger things to think about, like what am I eating today? And the fact that I am eating today, right? And the fact that I have a house and I have water and I don't have to walk four miles for dirty water that I know is going to infect my children, mm-hmm. which... A lot of the world are doing right now, right? Yeah. So we, we forget how blessed we are. Mm-hmm. And then we try and make everything a problem. And that just stresses us out even more. And when people say, oh, I just need a holiday. Well, <laughs> if you need a holiday from your regular life, you've got to change your regular life. Amen to that. Because that's not how life's supposed to be. Okay. And we're not here for a long time, right? And if you're wasting time every day being in a place... You know, mindset you don't want to be in. When do you think that's going to change? When the kids leave home, right? Yeah, or when when the husband leaves home, or whenever it is that those things don't put it off because today's the only day you've got, and we're not guaranteed tomorrow. We all know that. We've always heard it before. It's all wonderful, right? But yeah. we don't know. I might have another two days left on this planet. I might have another twenty thousand. Who knows? But right now, today, you know what the most important thing to me is in the world right now, as we speak, the most important thing to me is talking to you, mm-hmm. because I know that we're going to have a fantastic conversation and somebody somewhere might hear it and get inspired by it. Mm-hmm. Good enough for me. That's yeah. That's been an amazing day, right? But I'm not going to sit here and moan about life and tell you how terrible it is <laughs> because that's not going to be valuable to anybody. Right. So it's important that we just experience our life in the best way we can right now because who knows what's going to happen tomorrow. Yeah. Yep. Perception is everything and you get to choose how you want to see things. You can walk around and choose to see all the bad things or you can choose to walk around and look at all the good things. It's quite incredible. Yeah. <laughs> so before we wrap up here, I know that you wrote a book and just people might want to say, hey, you know, I'm interested in learning more about what's really going on with me and getting some more testing done. And so if you could share with everyone how they would contact you and a little bit about your book. Sure. So if you want to contact me, easiest way is just to go to the website, which is paulburgess.uk. I'm sure that'll be in the show notes. 
and you can just click on it and it will go there and there's a you, you get all there's lots of free downloads and resources and things that's all lovely but if you want to speak to me there's a book a call button it's free we'll have a chat about anything it doesn't have to be specifically health related it can be beliefs it can be past history issues whatever it is always happy to chat i talk a bit too much as you can understand but there you go but i'd love to speak to people it's something that i thrive on and, and really if we can help you or put you in the right direction then that's what we're about and then the book basically came about because of a, a patient I was treating a few years ago. And it's everyone's looking for this diet, right? Everyone's looking to, oh, I want to lose weight or do whatever it is. And it's so complicated and it's so difficult to stick with certain things. You've always got to cut things out. You've always got to, you know, measure your food and weigh it. Should I intermittent fast? What do I do? Yeah, it's just all just complicated. So I needed to write something for him that he could stick to, him and his family actually it was. And so I just came up with a process that was called a three by five diet. And it means three meals a day, five hours apart, right? You do not need to buy this book because I'm going to tell you exactly what it says, right? The book is like 72 pages long and you get all the information in the first 10 pages. Like it's literally, because I hate reading books that you're looking for the, the piece of information that you need. You're like, get to the point, get to the point. Yeah, right? <laughs> so I've made sure that was at the beginning and everything else was like recipes and training and stuff. Yeah. Three meals a day, five hours apart. And the reason being, five hours is a good amount of time for our blood glucose to stabilize and for us to have metabolic flexibility between burning fat fuel or carbohydrate fuel. Right? Generally, we don't leave it enough time. Three meals a day, five hours apart. Only the caveat, breakfast and lunch, protein, good fats, vegetables, anything. I don't care what that's made up of, right? If you want the traditional smoked salmon, scrambled eggs, avocado, tomato, spinach thing, great. If you want it in some other form, up to you, really not bothered. Protein, good fats, vegetables, breakfast and lunch. Dinner, protein, carbohydrates, vegetables. Whole world freaked out, carbohydrates at night, you're crazy, you're going to kill everyone, everyone's going to end up being obese, right? That's like, okay, well, the reason you do it that way is because you've had no carbohydrate through the day of any note. Mm. You will have used blood glucose, you will have been dipping in and out of fat burning and carbohydrate burning, which is what you want from a metabolic flexibility, longevity perspective. And then in the evening, you have a portion of carbohydrate. It does not mean you eat, you know, your weight in pizza or something like that. Yeah. It's, it still has to be quality food. So whether it be rice or sweet potato or white potatoes, whatever. Because what that will do is not only replenish some of the glucose and glycogen that you've depleted throughout the day, but it will also upregulate serotonin, which will upregulate melatonin for sleep. So it helps you sleep a bit better, stabilize your blood glucose. And if you run three, three meals, five hours apart, and you said, for example... 8 a.m. breakfast, 1 p.m. lunch, 6 p.m. dinner, and you go to bed at, say, half 10. You've had like four and a half hours between your last yeah. meal and sleep. So you've managed to digest the food. You haven't eaten and then gone to bed too soon, which ramps up your heart rate, disturbs your sleep quality. Ever done this where you go have a big meal, go to sleep, wake up the next morning, go, God, I feel so tired. I don't even feel like I've rested. <laughs> yeah. Because you're digesting a meal all night, right? Right. So then, just by coincidence, or maybe it was designed, if you finish eating at like six, half six, and then you're not eating again until 8 a.m. the next day, you've all got another 12, 14 hour fast there, which a lot of people talk about this intermittent fasting. Well, you can do that while you're sleeping. You don't need to be awake to do that. So incorporate all of those different elements. That is it. It's simple. Right? Anyone can follow it. There's no weighing and measuring. Yeah, that's perfect. No, there's no food groups taken out. And people have lost half a con, you know, 60 pounds in three months. Yeah. No exercise, just eating nicely again mm -hmm. and managing their blood glucose. And so that's why I did it. Like I say, there's no money in books. Like not, not for us anyway. You know, you make like two bucks for everyone that sold on Amazon. Yeah. 
if someone can get value out of that protocol and just make life simple and not have to worry about it anymore, mm-hmm. that's worth millions to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that plan. That's easy to do. I probably already kind of do that, <laughs> actually. But, and that's the thing. Right? Most yeah. people intuitively would do that. Yeah. But they get so caught up with what's online about, oh, no, 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 you know, you should have that for breakfast or right. you've got to wait 14 hours, 32 minutes. That's the ideal time for the growth right. hormone to be. It's like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Come on. It's just, we never did that for millennia, right? The amount yeah. of time people have been here, 200,000 years, no one ever had this problem. Everyone just ate intuitively. Yeah. It was only when, like you say, well, the junk food came in that it became a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. Well, thank you so much, Paul, for joining us today. We're so glad that you shared your knowledge and we really My appreciate it. It's been fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today, you guys, on this Happy Whole You podcast. We are so stoked that you are listening. And if you have questions or want to reach out to us, you can always email us at info at happyholeyou.com. And you know where to find us at Happy Whole You on Facebook and at Happy Whole You on Instagram. So have a wonderful day. Have a great week. And we will see you soon.